0: Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us in Appleton and in Stevens Point this morning, and let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary... and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us here this morning. Uh, next Sunday is a Super Bowl Sunday. I want to encourage you to come on out. And then we're going to have a special presentation next Sunday. Alas, our beloved Packers will not be among them. But uh, they got pretty far. Make the last four teams. That's pretty good. It's quite a run, actually. As, as, and I don't know anything about football. But... Uh, as as uh, banged up as they were to go as far as they didn't even have a running back. I mean, it was amazing. They really did an amazing job. I love being part of this uh, town and being part of Wisconsin. Green Bay uh, is one of the few cities in the world that you can just say the name and everybody knows where it is. You don't have to say the state. You know, you know Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, Green Bay. <laughs> Everybody knows where we are. I love going around the world and just say where I'm from. Green Bay. Anyway, very, very cool. So next Sunday, uh, Super Bowl Sunday, um, we have a missions trip, a group of missions guys that are going. We're sending a group. How many are we sending? 12 people down to Guatemala. Guatemala. Or Guatapeor. Spanish joke. It's not funny in Spanish either, but anyway. <clears throat> Mala is bad. P.R. is worse. So is it quite a worse or quite, quite a, bad or quite a worse? It's a lame joke, anyway. Uh, but they're going down, and they're going to drill and, and put in some uh, freshwater wells to people who don't have fresh water. And uh, you know, it's quite a step that they would take their time and their treasure, their talent, to go down there and work this hard for a week installing, just to bless other people and do it in the name of Jesus. Uh, we're going to have uh, a prayer for them right now. If you, all those who are going, I know in uh, Stevens Point, Nate DeGroff has is, is, uh, come up on, on the platform. Nate there. Uh, Luke Hoppy in Appleton. He's sick this morning. He's a slacker, so he won't be able to come up in Appleton. You can pray with us nonetheless. Uh, the rest of you guys, I'm going to go through these names. I'll massacre some of them. Julia Flanagan, Judy Gum, Sean Howe. Corey and Carrie Raymond, Betsy Sherb, Sandra S- Scrivani, Scrivani, Coltson Van Elsen. Who's that? Any Oh, is he? Yeah. That's a great name. My name is Colton Van Elsen. <laughs> <laughs> and then Don and Sherry Zilmer from our Florida campus, actually. <laughs> we don't have a campus now. It's just two people. But anyway... Uh, They watch online, but they're joining us with us as well, which is great. But any people online, thousands of people connect with this church online. You ever want to join us on some of these mission trips? Contact the church. We'd love for you to join us. It would be fabulous. Anyway, so these guys are going. Now, Pastor Bob and Glenn Schleiss is going to be going to Myanmar this week, different trip, uh, to deliver some funds to the uh, work there. Uh, we work with uh, a group of people in Myanmar, unsolicited, $30,000 was turned in this morning Uh, to build two buildings over there in Myanmar. One is going to be for the medical director there, and the other one's for the dean of the Bible College. Uh, So uh, people in our church, as the Holy Spirit moving on their hearts, said, man, we want to help. They came in, ching, 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 here we go. And uh, so they're going to be going over and ministering to them and blessing them with that. So I want to pray for them as well. But uh, let's pray for these guys. Everybody stand up. I know just we got Nate over there in point. Uh, Appleton, stand up and pray with us anyway. <laughs> Even though Luke isn't there, God will hear your prayers for Luke. Uh, and then the rest of us. Uh, Randy, why don't you come on up? Joe, come on up. Lathan, stay there. <laughs> Talk about Lathan in a minute. Okay, anyway, so we're going to pray. Why don't you guys all hold hands and look spiritual? All right, (laughs) here we go. (laughs) Thank you. Father, we are so grateful for your kindness. Thank you for these people who are willing to give of their time, their treasure, and their talent. Lord, you said, blessed are the feet of those that bring good news. And Lord, as they go, we ask your blessings upon them and that you would anoint them. We ask for traveling mercies that you would protect them from the evil one and keep them safe. And God, as they work so hard to show love to people that we don't know and they don't know us, may they be struck by the wonderful message that God cares and loves them. And, Lord, that the gospel will be preached uh, in these areas. We pray for Bob and Glenn as well. Give them a safe trip all the way to Myanmar and back. We celebrate these wonderful gifts that have come in this morning uh, to uh, bless that work there. Lord, help us as we continue to do our very best to bless and touch people all over the world. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 Great. God bless you guys. Do well. (laughs) Fabulous. You've got to be seated. Very, very cool. Uh, I was just talking about Pastor Lathan. We want to pray for him. He's going to Mayo Clinic tomorrow. All that work they did in him, they got to go do a tune-up. So uh, uh, pray for him. It, it's, I'm sure it's very, you know, my wife and I, having gone through uh, struggles with sickness and cancer and stuff for 20 years or whatever at times it gets really discouraging you know you do great then all of a sudden you get a setback and then you do great and all of a sudden you get by the way she's starting to do great again so it's, it's amazing wow. her tumor markers are coming down and she's coming back to life and getting sassy again praise God so <laughs> It's just amazing, seriously. Uh, and, but it's discouraging. You're, you're working and then you've got to go to something else. But uh, be praying for them as they go. And pray for them all this week because they're going to be working and trying to fix everything so that he can get back to 100% for the kingdom. Everybody say amen. All right, now we are doing a series uh, entitled Significant Events of the Old Testament. Uh, and we're going to be finishing up talking about the fall of man This morning, say for three weeks, why are we talking so much about the fall of man? Because there's so much that happens here. It helps to explain why we're in the mess that we're in. If you don't understand the fall, honestly, everything else doesn't make sense. It gets all kinds of confusing. You have to understand what happened. This was a big stinking deal. And people say, well, how come it affects us? Because it got passed down. I mean, as soon as Adam and Eve did it, all of their offspring bought into this uh, sense of rebellion against God. So we've looked at it already. We saw that God created this beautiful garden, put Adam and Eve in there, said you can have dibs on anything except for one tree. One tree. Why? Why would God say don't touch the one thing? Because without choice, how can you really love God, right? If you're the only woman in the world and your husband says, I love you. (laughs) But when there's millions of women in the world and your husband says, I love you, now that's a statement, see because there's choice. And Adam and Eve had choice. They could choose to serve God, which was hopefully what they would do, or they would choose to rebel against God, which is sadly exactly what they did. We don't know how long, like I said last week, how long it was from creation before they ate of the tree. My guess knowing the rest of us, about 45 minutes. They probably made a beeline straight for that tree, you know, right away, just because they knew they shouldn't. And it created this big problem. So mankind intentionally turns their back on God. You see, just over, it's not about just the fruit. It's not about that. It's just this intention. God said do something and saying to him, no. I can do what I want. I can do it. And I'm telling you, that stubborn attitude is still in mankind. And not only our own sins, but just the original sin that comes from Adam and Eve gets passed down. Now, there's some people say, they don't believe. I don't believe there's a sin that passed down from Adam and Eve. Really? You ever encounter a two-year-old? Mine. 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 So what is that? Finding Nemo? Mine. 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 Those birds sounds like little kids, you know, fighting and take it away and just, you know, there's stubbornness and stuff. That stubborn, rebellious, stick-it-in-your-face attitude started with them and been passed down to us. And ever since then, mankind has turned its back. It's just been wanting to do what what they want to do. And it's created a gigantic, enormous mess that is here on this earth. And by the way, you know, whenever something bad happens, and I understand people who don't know God are responding this way, but you who know God, you Christians, you shouldn't respond this way. I hear sometimes people say, oh, you know, if there's a God, why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen if there's a God? That's not a sign that there's no God. It's a sign that we told God to stick it. We're having a world of sin, a world that has aligned itself by and large with the forces of darkness. That's what happened. When we opened that up, To evil, to come into the world, that was our identification. We're going to be talking more about that in the weeks to come as we run into the whole account of the the flood and stuff like that. It was poisonous, it was bad, and we're still dealing with it today. The reason there's evil and suffering in the world today is not because there's not a God. It's because mankind has turned his back on God and aligned himself with evil. So that's what puts us in the mess that we're in. And then last week, we talked about mankind's original response to this. Number one, they immediately began to feel shame. Shame. I'm no good. I'm nothing. I I feel awful. So the shame falls upon man. Uh, The second thing that we see is that Adam and Eve start to hide from God, which we talked about last week. Don't run away from God. If you mess up, everybody struggles and mess up. Run to God. Come to him. Don't turn your back and run away from him. We want to be drawn to him. Jesus gave that wonderful parable of the prodigal son, how when the son was way off, the father sees him and runs towards him. He's giving us a picture of how God responds to each and every one of us. Even when we're bad, and this prodigal son was bad. I mean, he took his father's money, wasted it all and while living, and comes home humiliated, but the father, the father runs to him. God wants to embrace you. Don't be like Adam and Eve and go hide from God. And the third thing that we saw was this uh, propensity in men and women to this very day, adopted from our, or, or passed down from our parents, Adam and Eve, is the immediate response to make defense for our sins and not take responsibility. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Right away, God says to Adam, did you eat of that tree? God, of course, knew, giving him a chance to get clean. Did you eat of the tree? And Adam says, hey, look, it's that woman that you gave me. Right? Right away, he starts passing the buck. He looks to Eve. What would you do? It was that serpent. The serpent told me, you know, I have nothing to do with it. The devil made me do it. Always pushing off, and people to this day, rather than just to admit, look, I was wrong. I sinned. I made a mistake. I should have acted the way I acted. Instead of that, we make defense. It's not my fault. It's everybody else's fault. It's the police's fault. It's the government's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my teacher. Everything is everybody else's fault. Don't be like that. Own it. When you do wrong, just say, man, I did it wrong. Be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. Fight that, that inclination to blame everybody else. This is where we left it off last week. Now, we continue the account because... Now there are consequences that come on mankind because of these, this rebellion against God. Number one, in Genesis, the third chapter, we read, uh, God says, By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food. In other words, life's going to be hard, really, really hard. It's not like they never sweated before. It's just that what he says this is it's going to work for, against you. And he talked about thorns and thistles and everything. It's like you try to do life, but life is fighting you all the time. Boy, I talk about describing the world in which we live. Sometimes it's hard. It's really, 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 really hard. Why is it so hard? Don't make any sense. It shouldn't be this hard. Anybody ever hear yourself say that? shouldn't be this hard. Why is it this hard? This is why it's this hard. Everything working against you and this frustration and this lack of rest. Oh, it's exhausting. Then he says, until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. In other words, letting mankind know now you will become mortal. You will die. Now, this is a big deal here. Because right away, God gets Adam and Eve out of the garden before they can connect with the tree of life, which would transform them into eternal beings. Stop and think about this, because oftentimes people struggle, you know? There's a funeral, you know, some friend in high school dies, or grandma dies, or the people are devastated. Oh, why? why does God let people die? Listen to me. The most gracious thing God ever did for mankind is let us die. Because if we would have become eternal beings, we would have been unfixable. We could not be changed. That's why Jesus didn't die for the devil. That's why Jesus didn't die for the fallen angels. They can't be changed. They are eternal beings. They cannot change. Rather than letting us become eternal beings that could not be changed, he left us mortal. That, Of course, now the struggle, the mortality, and the sickness, and all the stuff that we have to deal with, and oh, it's frustrating, but I'm telling you. And it's sad when someone passes. I get it. But it is one of the greatest signs of God's compassion to us. By leaving us mortal, he made us fixable. And Jesus came and died on that cross and took our wrap and made things right for us. All that's possible Because God left us mortal. As sad as mortality is at time, and it's fine to mourn and all that stuff, don't be thinking, oh, where is God? Why did God do that? No, 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 no. We brought this on, and it was in God's kindness that he left us mortal so that we could be saved and fixed and healed. All right? So, boom, he gives us a big consequence on mankind. Life's going to really stink. It's going to be hard. It's going to be exhausting. You won't find rest. It's going to be awful and you're going to eventually die, physically die. Then he looks at Eve and gives her her own unique set of consequences. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your grief and your suffering in pregnancy and the pangs of childbearing. With spasms of distress, you will bring forth children. And any woman who's been a mom can say amen to that. All right? It's interesting. I was looking online and kind of studying this thing, and uh, asking the question, why do women suffer so much in childbirth? I thought there'd be some great medical uh, reason for it. And maybe they do have some somewhere. I don't know. We have some doctors here. But all the stuff I found online, it was so interesting to read because they were all saying, you know, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Why, why do women suffer so much? Why all this labor labor labor? I mean, other animals, you know, have brief pain when they get, but nothing like a woman. The human woman is like, it's beyond anything else in creation the pain you go through and they're going through it, trying to explain it away and guys are right well we don't understand and, you know evolution should have fixed that because you know evolution finds problems and everything adjusts and why the human female still suffers we don't understand it makes no sense and i'm just giggling the whole time I'm reading all this going <laughs> i know why you know but uh, obviously they're not reading from the scriptures they're trying to figure it out at some level it just doesn't make any sense What's with all this hours and hours and hours of... Ah! Though I don't know personally. Okay? And everybody stops there. They all stop there. That was the woman's curse. the child. He wasn't done. There's three parts of the curse for her. The second one, these are like the unknown curses, the hidden curses, the never spoken of curses. The next one says... And your desire and craving will be for your husband. I can imagine Adam going, hey, wait a minute. What kind of curse is that? And I, pro- I write about this. I just, this is an early copy of a, a new book that I've written for women. It's called Being Found. Look at how romantic. Oh. It looks like a soap opera thing in the beginning there. Being found, a Christian woman's guide to marriage. And uh, in here, I go through all this stuff. And the very first chapter is entitled, Is Your Desire for a Man a Blessing or a Curse? Because there's almost an irrational desire for a woman to connect with a man who, by all measures, will drive her insane. <laughs> but, yeah, they're driven for this, and they're driven for this, and they want this connection, they want this connection, even though at some level, they why do I want this? They still want it! And while that's there, the way to counter a primal urge is to use your brain and use wisdom, the Bible says. That's what this whole book is about. What does it mean to have true happiness? If you think a man's going to bring you happiness, you are delusional. (laughs) You need to be happy in the first place. Talks about... Marriage is about finding and being found. Marriage is a choice. I know some of you even here don't agree with me on this, but that's okay. You can be wrong. (laughs) Marriage is a choice. It is not a divine appointment. God does not set this. It's your choice. Like many choices in life, you choose to marry, and you choose whom you shall marry. Quit waiting for voices to tell you this kind of stuff. It just makes no sense. There's no love if all of a sudden, boom, you're told to love somebody. All right? You choose. That's what it makes it all about. Uh, look for character. I, always, I talk about this. You know, don't get, don't get so caught up in how cute these guys are. Oh, he's so cute. He's so cute. You know, look for character. Character will last a lifetime. Sexy has a shelf life. All right? You know, and some of us have hit our expiration dates, man. I got to tell you, you know. It is what it is. How to do it. Stop making lists. Listen to your family and friends. Control yourself. I, I love this one, the 12-month dating plan. The 12-month dating plan. You girls, listen to me. 12 months. He dates you 12 months. He doesn't ask you to marry you. In 12 months, you dump his butt and move on. Don't, I'm telling you, these guys are sucking away your youth. Don't let them do You younger girls, do not let some nimrod suck away your youth. Because this is what they do. These girls start dating some guy at 20. For five years they date this guy, then he just dumps her for whatever reason. Now she's devastated because she's given five years of her heart to this moron, and it takes her two years to recover before she starts dating another nitwit and does it again for another five, six, seven. Now she's 35 years of age, and now she does it again, and now she's wondering, where are all the men? Where are all the men? Because she sees the guy's her age, 38, 40 years old, her age. Where? I tell you, the guy's 40 years They don't want to date you. They want to jump back in the 20-year-old pool. (laughs) That's what they do. Don't play this game. Don't waste your years of youth on that kind of thing. I talk about older single women. Chances are, if you're an older single woman, you will wind up marrying an older man, because the older men want to jump back in the younger pools. It is what it is. I lay all of this out. It's quite brilliant, actually. But it talks about it. don't just give in to this primal urge without thinking it through. Then you're getting caught up in this curse. Be smart about it, all right? Anyway, this, this, is, uh, this is an early thing they print. We ran a little, like 150 copies of these for us. And uh, there's typos in it and stuff. And the real ones are all fixed. They're coming on the way and it's glossy and stuff. Here's an early one. Who's a single girl who would like this? Come get it. Come here and get it. Sorry, Point and Appleton. Sorry. You're going to come get it? Yeah, come on. I will push it hard when we get it, and all the campuses will have it, because I want, I want all you ladies to buy this for your daughters. So I say amen. And you boys should read it, too. Even though it's voice to women, you guys need to hear so you can learn what you should be doing. So the pain, yet desiring irrationally for this nimrod. And then the third one, and the man will rule over you. Whoa. Now, that's a drag. Now, if you look through the history of mankind, this has been in great display for thousands of years. Men oppressing women. Women had no rights. They had no position. They... Had no way of making a living. It was brutal. Now, this is why the world is in the mess of sin. Why we're so full of suffering, struggle, exhaustion, and death. But then comes Jesus. Now, Jesus comes, and he comes to set right what was set wrong. We read about it in in the letter to the Romans. He says, For just as through the disobedience of one man... Who would that be? Adam, yes. The many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, who's that? Jesus. The many will be made righteous. Through his redemption, Christ changes everything. He has an immediate effect against the mess that we're in right away, okay? First of all, the harsh burden of life is lifted. So well, life is still hard. Yeah, but it's not. I'm telling you, when you walk with Christ, it's a whole different ballgame. Jesus was telling this to people. He said to them, come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened. Do you ever feel, if you don't know Jesus, that's just people's lives. Nothing but weight, the weight and guilt of sin, the struggle of life fighting against them. It's amazing how people without God in their lives even function, in my personal opinion. I don't know how they do it. I don't know where they get the energy. It's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. Jesus says, man, Come to me if you're weary like that, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest, glorious rest for my burden. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. There's still work that has to be done, but it's not like it was before. He changes everything. He breathes new life into your life. He counters that curse of sin that was put on us from Adam. Um, And, of course, we have the power of prayer that helps to lift us from our struggles. Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Jesus was constantly telling people, ask God, ask God, what do you need? Ask him. You're freaking out? Ask him to change it. You need some help? Ask him for the help. He was constantly begging people on. Ask God because he will make a difference in your life. A lot of people say, why, don't I answer? why doesn't God answer more prayers? Because the reality is most people don't pray. They whine. They complain. They cry. Oh, it's not fair. It's not fair. Oh, God, it's not fair. That's not praying. This is known as whining. Okay? Mom, can I have five bucks is one thing. Go Mom, it's not fair. Other people have five bucks. And I don't... That's not praying. That's whining. Okay? You want to pray. Talk. To God, he will change your circumstances. Now, as for the big part of the curse, the death, Jesus changes that. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. So what does that mean, Pastor? Well, the reality is your flesh is still going to die. It's still going to die. We can't get around it. Why? Because it's not fixable. This flesh is not fixable. I thought God can do everything. Look, there's rules that he put in and there are rules that are hard rules. This is not. It's been poisoned hopelessly by sin. That's why we should be grateful God did not make us eternal beings because this would be pressed throughout our entire being, our soul and our spirits as well. But it's not. Thank God. We've been born again. We have new life in us because of what Christ has done. But the body is still hopeless. This bag of bones that you're dragging about at some point will still return back to the dust because it's been poisoned. The good news is is that we will live again. There will be a resurrection where you will receive a new body, new life, and it won't be poison. And it's going to be great because we'll be able to do life without this thing inside that envies and fights and lusts and gets all ticked off. And, you know, all that will be gone. That poisonous thing that that we all feel will be forever gone. Thank God. It'll be a glorious thing. All right? We have the promise of eternal life, that curse. This curse is temporary because of what Jesus has done. In Christ, we have the promise of the resurrection to a new life. And then as for the women, one of the most significant things Jesus did is to lift women up. The New Testament teaches that in Christ, there is no difference between male or female. Paul writes about this in Galatians. He says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave nor free, nor is there male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. He levels the field. Adam and Eve mess it up. Jesus said it right. Now, sadly, this is not preached enough in Christian churches. There's a lot of feminists that look at Christianity and think, oh, Christianity is terrible because it oppresses women. Uh, no, there's a lot of Christian men who didn't understand the Bible who oppressed women. So they had a point. But biblically, that was never supposed to happen, ever. We're not supposed to be oppressing anybody. We should be lifting people up. Jesus made everything even. Even when you read the Gospels, you have to remember, up until Jesus came, women were to be counted along with your cattle and your sheep. When you read in the Bible where it says Jesus fed 5,000 men, and then also there were women and children, when it mentions these numbers, it's only talking about the men. Only men were counted. That was the culture. But then Jesus changes all that. He makes us the same. We are one in Christ, lifted up. Even when on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down, Peter was quick to point out the scripture that said, Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out on my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. This was totally radical to this world. Men and women? What? I mean, you know how many religions women can't even be in the same place and pray with the men? It's all over the world. They're still oppressing them. They're still knocking them. They're still stomping them. And not in Christianity. Jesus lifts women up. They are treated as co-heirs of the kingdom of God. Thank you for all those amens, ladies. Well, then, then why does Paul write in Ephesians, you know, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands? Okay, he does write that, but let's look at the whole Bible, shall we? Men are very, very quick to quote convenient scriptures and ignore. That's, that's verse 22. Let's back all the way up to verse 21. <laughs> way back there, way back there, okay? We're going to go way deep. We're going to at go verse 21. Verse 21 says, Everybody submit to one another. We're all supposed to be doing submitting. And then he says, Wives submit, showing respect. And husbands submit by laying down their lives and sacrificing for their wives, like Christ when he submitted himself to the cross. This idea that men are in charge and women have to be put under our feet is not biblical. Just because some nimrod tells you that, it ain't true. That's not what the scripture says. Well, the Bible says women have to respect their husbands. Look what Peter says Husbands, in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with what? (gasps) Men are supposed to treat women with respect? (gasps) I thought it was just women. Now, you got to read the whole enchilada. You got to eat the whole enchilada. You can't read the enchilada. What are you doing? I'm reading enchiladas. Put your food down. Quit playing with it. You Got to read the whole deal. Just treat them as, with respect as the weaker part. What does that mean? we not weaker. Well, in that culture, they were definitely weaker. This is 2,000 years ago. Women had no rights. They couldn't make an income. It was horrible for them. Just have respect for these girls. Because they are heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Heirs, joint heirs. This thing in the kingdom of God is a joint checking account. All right? My wife can spend just like I can spend from the checking account. It's a joint checking account. Actually, I spend more money than she does. <laughs> She's one of these girls who doesn't spend money. I spend money like a drunken monkey. Butch! It's shared, okay? And then she has to yell at me, stop spending all that money. Okay. (laughs) Because it's a joint. It's even. Do you see the picture here? Nowhere does it ever say this. Husbands, make sure your wives submit to you. There's pastors who teach this. There's pastors in our own city in Green Bay, I presume, in Appleton and Stevens Point as well, who teach this. Boys, you need to make sure your wives submit to you. Anybody who says that is a moron. Seriously. They don't understand the scriptures. They don't understand grace. They don't understand the redemptive power of the cross. Women are lifted up. Nowhere does it say, men, tell your wives to submit. When it talks to the... And by the way, read your own stinking mail, okay? If I see one of a letter written to Randy here, you can't see him, Randy on the front row. And it says... Randy, I I can't just open it and read it. It's not addressed to me. It's addressed to him. Okay? And vice versa. Notice the scripture says women, wives, respond in this way. Men respond in this way. It never tells wives, make sure your husband does this. Or husbands, make sure your wife does that. That kind of thinking is unbiblical. And is closer to Islam than Christianity. Christianity. And if you doubt me, let me read to you from the Quran this morning. This is a first. Quran, <laughs> Surah, chapter 4, verse 34. Men are in charge of women. It's the right that Allah has given to them because of what they spend on these women. I guess they pay the bills so they can. But those wives that are arrogant, first advise them. And if they persist, kick them out of your bed. And then finally, strike them. You men, you tell your wives you Men, you tell them to submit. Men, you... That's Islam. That's not Christianity. No Christian should ever have to tell his wife, hey, you need to submit to me. You do that, you need a swirly. And now, but I know there's a lot of people watching us on TV and stuff. You go to a church like that, you need to find another church. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me, well, why supposed to submit? Men, men tell you why they have to submit. You tell your wife. If she doesn't submit, you need oh, I'm telling you, there's guys like this, even in our own cities that think like this. This is insane. They're very select. You notice these guys, they like certain verses and they skip the other ones. You know, I like those verses tell women what to do. Men, oh yeah, well, let's, let's talk about that, you know. This is all spread evenly. We're supposed to honor and respect and love each other. There's order. I get it. But there's never, again, never does it say men make sure your wives do anything. And never does it say women make sure your husbands do something. That's not the way the New Testament works. He addresses different groups. He addresses them separately. That's between them and God. What if my wife doesn't do what I think she's doing? Well, that's between her and Jesus. All right. Don't you go around and act like some Muslim smacking your wife around or rebuking her or any of this kind of stuff. That is not the spirit of Christianity. And somebody said, amen. amen. In the cross. Women are lifted up in the cross. The curse is broken in the cross. Life comes in place of death. In the cross, even though Adam messed it up, Jesus sets it right. That's why we sing. That's why we celebrate. That's why we worship him and are so grateful. And why we do what we do. Why some people here are going on a plane thousands of miles away to go help people they've never met and don't know. Why? Because of what Jesus did. What he's done for us, we want to do for others. Freely have we, we have received. Now freely we give. It's what drives and motivates us. Oh, we're still stuck in this world. We get it. But there's a day coming when all this is going to be finalized. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And new life will forever replace this broken world of sin and death. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. We thank you, God, for what you did. You could have turned your back on us. You could have just rejected mankind and that would have been the end of it. But you loved us because we're made in your image and come from your hand. And you made a way to set right that which was made wrong. When Jesus Christ died on that cross, he was the sacrifice, the Son of God, the Lamb of God who take away the sins of the world. He makes right what is made wrong. For those who struggle, now we can find rest. For those who don't know you, now we can be connected with God. For those who've been knocked down, now they can be lifted up. We thank you, Lord, that now, instead of just facing death, we know that we face eternal life. And for all this, we are grateful. And, Lord, for anyone who's listening to me right now, you know, whether, whether on our campus in Stevens Point or in Appleton here, maybe watching us on television all around Wisconsin, on the, on the Internet, thousands of people watch these services. If there's anybody who's listening right now and they've never understood this, I pray that you would open the eyes of their hearts, that they might turn to faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you.